know what it is to be champions. Oklahoma invented it. Welcome into a day late edition of Through the Keyhole for Everybody. It was a Super Bowl Sunday. We decided to take the Sunday night off, and the guy was the head of that, decided to take his Monday night off. So we won't be joined by Matt Burton tonight, but as always, joined alongside Peyton Guthrie. How was our Super Bowl weekend, Peyton? Super Bowl was good, man. Uh, the, the weekend was nice and lazy, took some time, did some yard work, uh, did old man stuff. Um <laughs> Yeah, Super Bowl was led up to me cooking some stuff, getting the food ready, and watching two teams I don't care about play for a game I haven't watched that often because the Broncos aren't in it. <laughs> yeah, now Von Miller's a uh, two-time champion. It just the second one came with the uh, came with the different team. Yeah, no, it's cool to see that. I mean, uh, I thought, <clears throat> I mean. I mean, obviously, as a Broncos fan, it's really cool to see him get that done again. I mean, you kind of see his career winding down to a certain degree. And, uh, you know, the Broncos weren't going anywhere. So it was cool they were able to move him off and able to get some assets for that and, and kind of go where he needed to go. And, and plus, he'd been kind of replaced to a certain degree. He'd been made kind of redundant anyway on the staff. And, you know, if the Broncos go out and get Aaron Rodgers or something, those assets they were able to get for Vaughn can help them get Aaron Rodgers or something like that. I mean, they can instantly just microwave their Super Bowl chances, you know, overnight with stuff like that. But it was cool to see the, the former Broncos uh, get it taken care of. And honestly, more important to see, you know, oh, you get to add two more Super Bowl champions to their their overall list, their overall bounty of Super Bowl champions uh, or world champions, as I see see a lot more people calling it now, uh, which is really cool. So cool for uh, Oboe and for and for Bobby. Uh, that that's cool for them. Yeah, it was such an interesting because I don't typically get involved with like a bunch of people and get together and watch the Super Bowl. I've done it a couple times. Um, shout out to everybody that did last night. Shout out to everybody who took the over on the national anthem. Um, that was a <laughs> hectic finals. That was that brave she held at the end, Peyton, was so important um, because if she didn't hold that of the brave. And she like held it at the end. That was horrible. Um, but she like held it at the end and it got like a second over and it was perfect. Um, so shout out to that. Besides our guy in Vegas that lost 20 grand on the uh, coin toss. Biggest bet ever on the coin toss in Super Bowl history yesterday. And he lost. Really hate to see that. But uh, but no, it was a successful weekend. Got to eat some wings, some queso in the crock pot. Shout out to Blink and Riley for that. Uh, I hope that tweets an evergreen tweet from here on out. Cause it was perfect. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it was good to relax. Good to kind of take a nice deep breath for one more time. And now we've officially hit the off season drafts coming up. Spring football's coming up. That's really the next on next on the docket in the football space. Um, but there's been some college softball, which we'll talk about. Oklahoma has gets off to a hot start. College baseball begins this week. We won't talk about Major League Baseball over the next coming months because Rob Manfred is trying to completely ruin the game. Um, as anybody knows, he is the uh, old commissioner of the league. But, uh, yeah, it's been – it was, again, it was a very successful weekend, and I hope everybody got to enjoy it, our fi- final football game of the 2021-2022 season. And we uh, we move forward. As Peyton mentioned, Obo Okoronkwo and Bobby Evans are Super Bowl champions. Joe Mixon, Samaj P. Ryan. 
or not. And Peyton Samaje Pirine became a focal point of the game at the end. I it was so weird seeing him on the final two plays of the game. I understand why he was in, but yeah. it was still weird to see him be in. It, it's I can understand him being in for that third and one. I mean that's something, and honestly that's something that um. You see P. Ryan, the P, P, I mean, obviously P. Ryan is a powerful man, uh, but at OU, he, I don't, I don't think he was used very often as like a short yardage guy. I mean, I don't think he actually, you know, was, was all that great at third and one, fourth and one type of thing. I mean, he, he was really good at churning out five to seven yards, eight yards at a time. I mean, if he was a stack the box type of a thing, because um, sometimes you have these really small, holes that you have to kind of navigate through and move through. Uh, Piran is so much better at absorbing a hit from like a linebacker or a, a safety or a corner or delivering a hit to one of those dudes than he was at trying to like navigating those, that really, really condensed area. Um, but he's a jack dude and he can like squat 6 million pounds. So you got to think, Hey, get him in there. And that video that you see, you see that third and one play, he runs by, he runs by 99. He runs by Aaron Dahl. He runs right by him. And like on his way falling backwards, he just gets snatched by Aaron Donald and just gets completely picked up like a child almost. I mean, he was saying he runs not a small dude. And and obviously Aaron Donald's like what five ten, something like that. I mean, he, he's a massive guy too, but he's not something like he's not like a Randy, uh, was it Randy White played for the Eagles in the um uh, He's one of the more famous defensive tackles in NFL history. <laughs> uh, we played for the Eagles and the uh, Green Bay Packers. These are just huge, giant guys, like 6'5", you know, 320, something like that. So, I mean, uh, but he just gets this, he just gets like what, like collared around the waist, and he just couldn't break that arm tackle, and he's got dragged back like three yards. It's wild. I know Aaron Donald's like six foot one, six two, or like whatever he is. So, I saw this is from Dane Brugler, um, the NFL draft guy for the Athletic. Said comparing some combine numbers from the two Rams superstars. Cooper Cup ran a four six two. Aaron Donald ran a four six nine forty. <laughs> Cooper Cup ran a one six two ten yard. Aaron Donald ran a one six three. Cooper Cup jumped thirty one. Aaron Donald jumped thirty two. Uh, Cooper Cup broad jump nine seven. Donald nine eight. Cooper Cup weighed in at two hundred four. Donald weighed in at two eighty five. Like Aaron Donald. I don't, I really, it's one of those guys. I don't know if we'll ever see another player like that ever again. I mean, the Rams complete defensive, like whole game plan last night. And ever since Aaron Donald's been um, in LA or been with the Rams organization, Peyton, like (laughs) they just completely move him around the line to get him in one-on-one matchups. Like if it's at the, if, if the one-on-one matchups with a tackle, they line him up in a five in a five tech. If they if that one on one matchup is at you know against a guard, they line him up in a two eye. And when they put him over a center last night, I don't know if you watched like closely. Oh my god! I I'm just glad I got to watch Aaron Donald play football. Like it's one of those guys I, I get to tell my kids about someday if I ever have any. Um, like it, he was unbelievable. And I saw this last night. This is for every game, so. Mm-hmm. So take like the Big 12 championship or the Cotton Bowl or, you know, uh, games that I've been a part of the Peach Bowl, you know, the voting for MVP or the game or most outstanding player, whichever it is, always happens like with four, three, four minutes left in the game. 
So Aaron Donald makes those two plays at the end on top of everything he did last night. When he ran down Joe Burrow from the opposite side of the line of scrimmage was bonkers. Um, but he he couldn't win MVP because the voting was up with two minutes left in the game and Cup had just caught the touchdown um, or had that big catch. And Stafford's throw, man, that thing is a thing of beauty. Like that's, There's going to be so many young quarterbacks that are like 15 years old in seven-on-seven seven, trying to make no-look passes over the middle of the field, just getting picked off left and right, just because what Stafford did on that final drive. Yeah, to talk a little bit about Aaron Donald, he as a player is an example of why I don't, and please do not take this personally in any way, shape, or form, of why sometimes I don't like a lot of like Twitter take guys because they'll, they'll break him down and say, see, he, he missed his assignment. He shot the gap there instead of but his assignment was to do this. It's like, he's a great player making a play, like leave him alone. <laughs> like to a certain degree. It's like, cause some people are like, well, he's not great in run defending because he's not, cause he's always trying to hunt for the tackle for loss. I'm like, yeah, but if he gets, he gets it a lot <laughs> and it works, you know? So there's some times there where you have to kind of, in my opinion, look at what, what the structure of the play is and understand certain players much like a, um, Odell, uh, Odell uh, Beckham Jr. They're allowed to freelance some. That's the reason why you have structure. You have, I mean, the the idea of a uh, you know structure gives you freedom, because if you have one guy, if, if if everyone does their job, then one dude is allowed to kind of move around a little bit because everyone else knows where it is. He's smart enough to know, oh, I can shoot the gap here, knowing you know that B gap is going to be covered because the middle linebacker is behind me, you know, so on and so forth. You got players who are like that who have the ability to kind of freelance in that situation and, and keep things moving. But, you know, sometimes people will say that. And it, it, I think that was like over the last, it may have been before their first Super Bowl run or after their first Super Bowl run, where it kind of seemed like his stats were going down and people were like, whatever, you know, even now, even this year, I mean, it's really hard to see him play this playoff and think somebody else won defensive player of the year. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just kind of oh, wild. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, go for it. Go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Jump in there. No, I was going to say the, it was two summers ago. There was a, because uh, next gen stats and ESPN's like advanced analytics team, they do like a pass block win rate and like run stuff right for offensive and defensive lines, which I think again, like it's really hard for that kind of stuff whenever you don't have assignments and like what guys are, you know, responsibilities are, you know, just from a play call perspective. And there was a guy who died on the hill Payton of like, oh, Aaron Donald's really not a good run defender. And it's just like, yeah, it's because he's getting freaking triple teamed the entire time. Like, look at the his like double team that the amounts that he takes, even though he's not like a nose, is yeah. absurd. And yeah, to everything you're saying, it's the whole offensive game plan is designed to make sure 99 doesn't dominate you. And it doesn't matter. The Rams do such a good job getting him. And like, that's what I, and, and we have some, I think Alex Grinch discourse to talk about. Thanks to Perion Winfrey. We didn't even put that down on for the, for the show tonight, but like there were so many times where Grinch did such a good job on third downs, like getting Perry on or getting Thomas in a one-on-one, mm-hmm. -on -one, like stacking one side of the line of scrimmage, like what the Rams were doing last night. And it's just amazing. God, he is unbelievable. Like there were times I forgot what play it was last night. I remember it was in the first half, but he like took a double, like went around it kind of along the lines of what you're saying is like beat it to the outside, probably gave up his gap integrity but still like track down the running back in the backfield. And it's just yeah. like, 
holy shit. Yeah, like, like technically, he, technically he laid that like, out in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And he's just one of those guys, man, that we talked about this over the last couple of weeks, like with me doing the senior bowl and trying bowl stuff, like he's from Pittsburgh, like a former three-star recruit. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, this whole, it's it, the process of evaluating players get a lot, a lot better over the years, especially the high school evaluation of players, but it's still amazing just how many freaking good football players there are out there. I mean, Cooper cup was a non-scholarship player going to Eastern Washington where that was his, like one of his only ones. Like, you know, it was his only, yeah, his only thing. And like, you saw the pictures, there are multiple pictures going through Twitter last night of the game as you're watching that. It wasn't just a one-time thing. There are many times, multiple times, you know, Aaron Donald was getting legitimately triple teamed. And I, in it my whole- like Neville Gallimore against LSU in the Peach Bowl. Yes. And the entire time I was going, this is what certain OU fans think Winfrey was seeing every game against, <laughs> you know, Kansas. I mean, I was like, what do you mean? Like, there's a different- Everyone viewed the pair and Winfrey discourse. Obviously, he was getting doubled, but so was Aaron Donald. <laughs> like, obviously, he's undersized. So is Aaron Donald is legitimately undersized, <laughs> even to play what the position he plays to a certain degree. Uh, that was a big knock on him coming in. They're like, well, how much bigger can he get? So, I mean, great players make great plays. Great players have the ability to make great plays. Does it does Winfrey is Winfrey going to be a first round defensive tackle that leads a team to the Super Bowl? Probably not. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put that on him and say, you're not as good as the, what the one, a top five defensive tackle in NFL history. I'm not going to put that on him. but um, I just saw some of those triple team pictures and thinking this is what some people thought was happening every game against that and slanting and stuff like that is meant to get you past getting doubled and meant to get you past that stuff. If you know how to, you know, pivot and push the right way and stuff like that. So it's interesting when people get really mad about some of that stuff. And there's a new, somebody had an article. It may have been Winfrey or something. had a podcast come out. Yeah. Winfrey had a podcast he was on and he talked about it. He's like, no, the slants and loops and stuff were fine. It's just the rotations. Like we couldn't keep our legs warm. We couldn't keep it in the game. <laughs> like, oh, like that man. was the he issue. He went after all of it. I mean, he went from like players and schemes, and mm-hmm. uh, he completely threw Alex Trent under the bus. And that was with uh, Gabe and Teddy on the Oklahoma breakdown. Oh, that's uh, what it is. Yeah. And, with Eichert and Lehman. Got to add that at the end for uh, all legal purposes. But I, uh, <laughs> TM, TM, I, yeah. I am. It, I mean, we were going to go into what we learned from the Super Bowl next in terms of like football theory, and we'll get into that next because this thing, it when it dropped last night, and I started hearing word, you know, getting some text messages about like what Perion said, and you know, there was people hitting me up today in terms of, oh yeah, Perion, you know, basically saying everything that we've told you. Here was my my immediate response. I think Isaiah Thomas and Nick Benito have a right to bitch. Because yeah. they played their ass off every single snap, regardless of what was called, how the game was going, how many snaps they were getting, like whatever it may be. Like those guys played their tails off every single game, every single snap. And like, I guess my my thinking is, is like we all can go back and watch the games and watch the tape. And we know that there's multiple games. I mean, Peyton, you were calling Perry on Winfrey number eight for a while for a reason. <laughs> There's reasonings behind that. You know, it's not like you're just flat out saying it just to say it, you know, like we watch the game, like we know, we know what we're supposed to be looking for. And it's just like, man, like, did you give everything you had every single snap? Like, did you, did you do all those little things to be critical, you know, of, 
of the bigger picture at large. And so that's where at least I was at with it. Mm-hmm. Now, there's probably a lot of truth to some of the things he was saying. And the yeah. fact that he kept mentioning weird, like the season was weird. And we had talked about this on Through the Keyhole since August, that things were just really different from the top down. And I don't know, again, we've talked about this, whether that was the pressure of the season, whether it was Lincoln Riley and Joe Castiglione having issues and in terms of a power struggle, we don't know why Lincoln Riley's mood and manner changed in the 2021 year. But Perrin Winfrey confirmed a lot of that. Go listen to the interview. It's a really, really good interview. Perrion was very open and honest about how he felt. But uh, I'll throw it back to you, Peyton. I, again, I just, it's like, man, if you give a, if, if I knew Perron Winfrey gave 100%, no matter what was called, no matter like whatever, like I was like, yes, I'd be right on Perrion's back and just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, but it's like, I just can't. Yeah. I mean, to give some credit, Winfrey will not be asked to play the one tech in the NFL. Or, no. or, I mean, yeah, he, he won't be lined up right there. He's going to be able to go more one on one straight up against the guard. He's going to have his, you know, he's going to have his time to shine that way. And it, the more and more we hear stuff, I'm, I'm starting to think Lincoln had his mind made up before the season started. Not that he was going to USC or he's going somewhere, but I think he could kind of tell this was his last year in Norman. I think now that we're hearing more and more, I think that's probably something he had in his mind much sooner than we anticipated, much sooner than even when we, you know, reportedly rumored think when the USC start talk started happening. It, it, you know, it just seems like maybe he was ready for a change sooner, but I mean, to keep going on some of the conversations about the, uh, uh, Super Bowl players, like you, you mentioned cup. I mean, I mean, cup was just slow. I mean, who's going to draft a, a, a wide receiver that runs mid four sixes and isn't like six, five, you know what I'm saying? Like, isn't just like a giant massive dude. But let's not talk about – let's not think he's like some little old me who didn't go anywhere. I mean, his grandfather played in the NFL. His father played in the NFL. I mean, he's got the genetic pipeline of this dude should be very good athletically. He was just kind of slow, and he seems to have gotten – I mean, is he just faster now? Do you think he's he's body matured and and, uh, thing, or is he still just – is he just such a good – quote unquote like lunch pail guy running the routes. I mean, he's just a bigger Amendola type, bigger uh type like that. Uh I, I mean he runs really crisp routes and he gets wins at the line of scrimmage. He's pretty long, like he's mm-hmm. his, his arm his arm wingspans it's probably a lot wider than what a lot of people would expect. But I mean he was drafted in the third round. Like let's like that's what's so funny. It's like everybody, if you just read it, you would think he was this undrafted, had to go work his tail off on a practice squad. I mean, he did like Cooper Cup just had one of the greatest seasons in NFL history as a receiver. And it's crazy yes. to think about. Um yeah, the but, yeah, his people keep thinking his story is Adam Thielen's story. Uh and I think he also was a no-star recruit, but he had like contact a coach to go to like pay to go to a tryout or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like his, his, his so thing was like, he, right he like walked onto an NFL team type of thing. <laughs> his is much, much more that rags riches things than uh, we're talking about. Cup. But obviously, Cup, I mean, he's a cool, I mean, it's a cool story. Uh, I'm very happy. Sandlin deleted that tweet immediately. Very happy about that. Uh, if you didn't see that, he was talking, he tweeted his uh, tweeted, Cups recruiting oh, it's profile. Still it's still up. Oh, it's oh still maybe up. he maybe he deleted it because he missed work because he mistyped something. But I assumed he deleted it because it was a stupid statement. I mean, obviously you should work really hard. Obviously, don't give up on your dreams. But 
it, it, it was kind of borderline stars don't matter type thing. Right. And I right. really don't want OU, anyone I know you staff to think recruiting who needs it. You know, that's not what I want to hear in any way, shape or form at all, period. It wasn't as bad as Schefter's tweet last night. You see that? That got that one got deleted. Schefter, Schefter's losing it, man. Schefter is losing it. I, I'm not. He's, he's got he's only got a couple months left of his ESPN contract, and he's gonna he's gonna be out going to work for the yeah, him and uh, him and Brett McMurphy at the Action Network. No, that's not confirmed by anything. But uh, <laughs> it's very clear Schefter understands that he's a free agent this summer. Like he's given less and less F, F's uh, in the last. But that tweet last night, it was like. Something along the lines of they said I couldn't, and it was like Eli Manning and Jarvis Landry and, like, one of OBJ's best friends. No, the whole, like, everybody's now best friends with OBJ because he won a Super Bowl is one mm-hmm. of the funniest things that have come out in the last 20 years. Well, I've seen that through a certain sector of Twitter, <coughs> OU Twitter. Um, when, when OBJ got off the Browns, he was getting he he got like a bunch of Instagram love. People were like, "You're free, free." I mean, actual NFL players were like patting him on the back on the way to LA. I mean, this isn't that isn't a new thing. This this isn't like a new thing that people liked him. He's an extremely talented guy who is controversial or you know is problematic just to a certain point in time. He hasn't done anything crazy though. I mean, he hasn't like been in jail or anything for my. I can't remember anything off the top of my head. He's just kind of a hard to deal with person, I guess, at times uh, in the locker room, maybe to like coaches and stuff, but you don't hear a lot of football players say OBJ. I don't like him. <laughs> I mean, you don't hear a ton of that. I know. OU certain OU fans, you know, blamed him for uh, got really mad at the, at the uh, boat picture. If you remember that uh, they took the boating trip the week before on their uh, off week before the playoffs or something like that. And Shep was, you know, our, Ster- our little baby Sterling Shepard was seen on the boat and everyone's yeah, like, no, <laughs> Sterling Shepard. And there's, so, I mean, I'm trying to, what, 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 what is the, what's the PC word for the females that were on that boat? Oh, just uh, 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 concubines, I guess. Uh, <laughs> people have to Google what that is uh, to a certain degree. Uh, but no, I mean, I, if you look at a player perspective, it seems like the players were always behind his, behind him. And a certain segment of NFL media was also behind him. Now, the deeply, uh, you got to play for this, win one for the skipper uh, media, them now getting behind him, that's a little disingenuous. I will say that. I mean, that's that's rough. I mean, you guys, they're like dragging him and like trashing him and being like, Oh, he's just a freelancer in this timing offense. I was like, that's such an idiotic statement to make <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I mean, wide receivers are meant to – I mean, I get what you're saying if it's a West Coast offense, bada-boom, bada-bing, but you don't bring in that dude to be your number one receiver and then say, don't do all the stuff you're good at. I mean, that was an idiotic decision to be made anyway. <laughs> uh, but it is weird that – I guess it is weird. I guess it's a long way of saying some people are behind them the entire time, but there is some extra people – kind of star chasing some clout chasing being like, Oh yeah, I was always, yeah, I was, I've always been pro pro OBJ. So th- that one is a little weird, but Hey, good on him. He got it done. Anytime someone can win a, a Super Bowl title. I mean, it's awesome. These dudes have spent their entire life dreaming about it. We've I've dreamed about it. I'm sure you've dreamed about it. 
running around your front yard going three, three two one touchdown yeah, I, mean, no, everyone I don't dream does about it. that i don't dream about playing it anymore but certainly there's still the aspirations <laughs> from this still got a chance yeah yeah so i what i thought was talking about things that we potentially learned from that game there is a Peyton, i think that this offseason i'm sure there'll be some research from some analytical nerd out there um hopefully it's one that i'm associated with but uh in terms of pressure rate and correlation and that, and like how, like, can the quarterback even operate? Because I think we saw that conversation in regards to Oklahoma a lot this season in 2020. And you can even go back to, if you want to talk about the season with Jalen hurts, like last night was the pure example of Joe Burrow got rattles and Joe Burrow typically doesn't get rattled. He didn't get rattled in the tight in the Tennessee game. He didn't get rattled against Kansas City, even though they somehow only had one sack against Cincinnati. But there was plays last night that he probably could have made if he wasn't under pressure. And I think we've reached – I don't know. I just – I don't even think the Rams offensive line played good last night, Peyton. But, you know, I think there's a lot of people talking about, okay, what do you need, like, in terms of to have a really good football team, you got to have, you know, elite quarterback, like playmakers at wide receiver. Um, And then they get into the like, Oh, a good pass rush and a good offensive line. It's like, no, like last night, I know it's like confirmation bias using one game, but I think it's the course of the NFL postseason. We saw like the, the pressure rates are so sky high and so lopsided to one team in these games Mm-hmm. And quarterbacks are just suffering, whether they their clock is speeding up and they're missing open guys or there's open guys and they're getting hit. And it's going to be a weird balance. I'm wondering, I want to, I can't wait for someone to do research on it and like, see what like that limit is of like, how much pressure can you give up before it's too much? Yeah. I swore the Tennessee game was too much for Cincinnati, but somehow they freaking won. That's probably because Ryan Tannehill's on the other side. But last night, I got to saw the ESPN and next gen stats for throwback to you. It was like the Cincinnati Bengals pass win pass block win rate. Was it like 20% midway through the third quarter? And like, I just don't know like how anybody expected Cincinnati to have a chance besides Sean McVay running it on first down every time. Yeah. I was actually going to say now, now it's been proven run first down. You'll win. (laughs) It's been proven. And that's something the Rams have done forever. I mean, they just, because they're like, hey, we're we're doing this just to do the play action thing. Like, we don't care. This is a this is a this is a free play. We're giving up on purpose. <laughs> just just so later on we can do something. <laughs> and like, McVay thinks that way. And you know, it's super frustrating. And Cam Akers had probably one of his worst games he's ever had. Uh, and the O line just wasn't getting it done. But it's a Super Bowl. People are fired up. And uh, what I'm going to say to you is, this isn't new. This isn't new at all. This is what we're watching right now. And it just so happens to have fallen in line. The conferences that I'm about to say, this is the old school AFC versus the NFC, where NFC just were bigger on the lines. They beat the shit out of the AFC team, and and they just shoved them around. And like AFC team would come in there scoring 35 points a game, 40 points a game. You know, the Bills were running shoot, Denver Broncos. You should go watch John Elway's three first three Super Bowls where he just got trounced. And you just see him running for his life, trying to do everything he can to get these teams back together. You know, throwing he's throwing a bunch of picks trying to do it, but he's just trying to do whatever he could because they couldn't block, they couldn't get they couldn't get, get guys open. Um, and even then, like those John Elway teams, I think they're like running out of shotgun like 80% of the time. And this is like an 85. So <laughs> um it's just 
but they just didn't have the offensive line, didn't do anything. And I want to continue to John Elway stuff. And there's a documentary of, of the uh, John Elway's first Super Bowl. This one's for John, where the they're running the ball just basically at will on this Green Bay team. And it cuts to like a Green Bay um, defensive line guy. And he's like, oh, these dudes are for real. They can actually run the football. This is a different thing. Like this, this wasn't just your normal AFC team. They just beaten the Patriots, like took them to the woodshed the pre year previous year prior. But it's that type of thing. I think that's what we're just running into. I mean, time is a, a quote, rust, a flat circle when it comes to this stuff. And right now we're seeing more complete teams that may be somewhat limited to the top of their offensive capacity. Like I think the Rams, I'm, I'm happy for Stafford for winning one. I do not think Stafford is that guy at the end of the day. And if you watch the game, you'd probably say he's not that guy. Maybe if OBJ doesn't get hurt, this game looks a lot different. And Stafford probably is like the MVP or something because he's hitting multiple dudes for touchdowns instead of just like getting it to force feeding one dude at the end. Um, but you see it. You see one team has a defensive line and another team that doesn't and or and also doesn't have an offensive line and has a great quarterback. I mean, this is NFC versus AFC uh, from the past. Now in the future, um, th- that's the hard stuff. I mean, for that and, and Joe Burrow, honestly, I've had it. If you're, no one's no one's seen this, but I had it just about up to here, just about up to here with this whole Joe Burrow is the next guy thing. Like we have the guy, Pat Mahomes still alive. What are we doing here? What what we what we they're already they're already calling him like the face of the league and stuff. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. like he just wore a funny outfit one time. We need to calm down. Like he's he's a very talented dude, very good dude, but he hasn't done anything to me. He won late. He had a he, he, he there's some Tom Brady-ish type stuff. There's some obviously franchise MVP type stuff in this playoff run, getting guys down at the last second. But what has he done so far that's been like undeniable? You know, what has he had an Aaron Rodgers type? I mean, I don't think he's had an Aaron Rodgers type season, a Tom Brady type. I mean, Aaron, you know, that's tough to say, but maybe let's just hold on. You know, he he's allowed to be the number six quarterback, number five quarterback in the league and still be great. But there was a lot of like putting the crown on him this weekend. Um, And he's a tough dude. I mean, he got banged up. I thought he's done (laughs) and he walked back out there. So, I mean, yeah, that was really weird. Yeah. I don't know what happened with the happened with all that. I mean, I thought the way he reacted, I was like, Oh, there goes his other ACL. Um, I'm with you. I like, I, someone asked me, and we're going to dive into the Kyler Murray stuff here in just a sec, but like someone asked me, you know, top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL heading into next year. Like, I don't know if even Burrow's in my top five, just to be real about it. Like, I, to your kind of to your point, like, don't get me wrong, there's multiple games this year the Bengals do not win without Joe Burrow being the quarterback um, in terms of just how qu- quick he is as a developer and as a processor of information at that mm-hmm. position. It's second to none. We saw, saw that firsthand uh, with 2019 LSU about how freaking smart he is with the football. Um, but again, I just don't know if he's like a top 10 quarterback. I mean, it's pretty easy like to go one, two, three, or at least one and two. I mean, it's Mahomes and Allen and Rodgers. Like those three, however, however you want to divvy that up, that's up to you. I'll take Mahomes at number one uh, for the next 10 years and just take my luck. But like then from there, I mean, Deshaun Watson's still around. He's going to be playing in the NFL this year somewhere, um, wherever that ends up. You still have guys like Justin Herbert, 
who have accomplished just as much. Matthew Stafford's still around. Dak Prescott's still around. Uh, I mean, there's a handful or more guys, Peyton, that I think I would take before Burrow. And this is coming from one of the bigger Burrow stands out there. Um, But, again, it's just – it's one of those things where, like, there's got to be a threshold of, okay, at this point, like, there's no way even Aaron Rodgers can have success. And we kind of even saw that. I mean, when the 49ers got after the Packers in the – in the divisional round a couple weeks ago, like Rogers even could barely deal with it. But uh, I think it's all, it's all so interesting. All right, let's get up. Let's talk about Kyler real quick. So obviously scrubs all of his Instagram, Mm -hmm. which this is so 2022 um, on top of the QR code for crypto.com last night. Uh, (laughs) Unbelievable. Uh, But scrubs all of his Instagram, any Cardinal stuff only keeps a couple posts up. Obviously in our world, we all know, we all follow recruiting. That's never good when that kind of stuff happens. Something's going on that no one's yep. talking about. Chris Mortison is reputable. And the people he talks to is reputable. The question comes, Peyton, who leaked it? And what and what was said in terms of he's a finger pointer, essentially calling him a baby in the locker room. Like really some damning stuff was said to the media or at mm-hmm. least leaked out to the media from somewhere, whether it was the Arizona front office or whether it was somebody on, on the Cardinals team, which I wouldn't imagine it was one of his teammates, Peyton. But, I mean, it's a it's a power sh- – I mean, quarterback front office is a power struggle. I, I remember during the whole Rodgers discourse, whenever he was like, man, I want some more power to say what I want to the front office. Um, and, you know, it was tipped over to me. Kyler was already in the war room on draft days, like helping and giving input for the Cardinals. And he hadn't even done anything yet. And the Rodgers hadn't had any control or power. And he had won multiple MVPs, won a Super Bowl, uh, been to another Super Bowl, multiple conference championship games. I guess when you look at it on the surface, Peyton, Kyler Murray has one more year and then he hits his extension kind of that, or he can get an extension this summer. I would imagine knowing what the senior bowl and the shrine bowl really is for these agents, um, knowing what these events like the super bowl are for these agents, they can say, Oh, we're there representing one of our clients. We're doing this. Mm -hmm. No, they're, they're discussing their free agents and they're discussing extensions. And they're, that's, that's where, that's where the sausage is made is at the combine and the senior bowl and shrine bowl. I would imagine Eric Burkhart, Kyler Murray's agent, who also represents Cliff Kingsbury, which is another interesting piece of that puzzle. Um, I would imagine they've probably had some early conversations and the Cardinals are like, well, Kyler's as much of the problem as anybody else, and he needs to understand that. Yeah, That's to everybody's discretion. I don't know. I don't watch enough of the Cardinals to know that conversation besides, no, I do not think Cliff Kingsbury is a very good head coach. But I, I mean, he's good I enough hate- to get him to 7-2, and 8-1 and one every year. Yeah, I know. And then something falls off at the end. I just don't know, like, I don't know how how to feel about because I think Kyler's good enough to be demanding kind of the that attention. But at the same time, I also understand that Kyler's gonna have to take less money over the course of his career to mm-hmm. ever reach the pinnacle of what are here where he wants to go. So it's that weird balance. I don't know how to feel about it. Well, I mean, some of the stuff I mean, we we never know. And we will never know some of that stuff. I mean, I understand it. You've got people pointing fingers and he's, 
as an OU fan, there's one play in particular I remember, and I'm not like a head coach. I can't remember exactly the time and down and all that type of stuff. But I think it was the second series of the Alabama game. He gets sacked on third down, and he walks off the field, and he's – yeah, that one. He's got the hand, He's got his hands up. He's on the ground, and he gets up, and he looks at Creed and just shakes his head in such disgust. And I thought, he is pissed. And I think the thing is, he's pissed – that and Creed's great, but he's pissed that these the people around him aren't as good as he is, and mm-hmm. that's that's where he gets in trouble. As his level of leadership reminds me, in a a very strange way, and again, I'm, I'm lean, this must be horrible for the listeners. I'm gonna lean on my Spurs fandom again. It reminds me very, this very little small part of it reminds me of the Tim Duncan thing. Like he's not gonna raw raw you up. He's just going to be great, and it's your job to be great as well. <laughs> like if he's being great, then I have to be great. Kyler obviously is a little more of a diva than that. I think we all know that he's out there skipping practices and stuff while at OU. You know, he's out there be, having to be you know hidden in uh, spring or summer uh, uh, baseball leagues <laughs> to, to, to stay to stay eligible or whatever, stay on the on the team. So um, he, he obviously has his diva qualities, but his leadership style is. I'm great, so you should be great too. And you know who else did that? Michael Jordan was that way. I mean, he beat the shell players. I mean, he wasn't raw raw in these dudes a lot. He's like, it, there was a there's some clip that was on Twitter that I retweeted earlier, where uh, Phil Jackson was saying, "Okay, then we Jordan. Then uh, once we do that, we need you to switch." And he just stares him down and shakes his head, like, "I'm not switching off my man." And then they had to completely change the defense. I mean, so so it just happens. I mean, certain players who believe themselves to be so great, they're going to be this way. This is being part of it. This is being part of the thing. Um, and I think the, the world that we live in now, players being even more empowered and more empowered, because, yeah, you could say if Kyler were Tom Brady, Kyler had been to three Super Bowls already or whatever and, you know, been amazing. He had been to more Super Bowls than he's even have capable to have been in. Uh, you'd sit there and say, well, he's deserved it. He's done this stuff. He's got his skin on the wall, but we're in a play. We're in a time of player empowerment that when you've got a guy like Kyler Murray, who again, he could be in that Joe Burrow top five ish type of type type top five ish type of thing. You have to have them. You have to have that quarterback thing figured out. And so then they get more outsized power. They've always had that Dan Marino got multiple head coaches fired. I mean, You've you've always had that ability. Brett Favre had a horrible, horrible, you know, behind the scenes record of stuff. I mean, getting guys cut and moved and stuff like that, and playing, you know, calling plays they want to. I mean, it's just recently that, to a certain degree, that you know, quarterbacks weren't running the offense. You know, I mean, like McVay's like used to be the head coach would do it, and there's an OC, and the quarterback would run the offense. Now, like McVay is like running the offense. Like he's, he's telling them what to do, when to do it, how to do it. I mean, yeah. NBC it's a, it's a much give, different thing. Trying to give away McVay's entire game plan last night. I know that's rough. That's, I mean, he shouldn't have it like that. I mean, that's, <laughs> you gotta have the, you gotta have like this little diffuser piece of plastic or something in front of that. But I'm very happy. There wasn't anything like horribly written on there. I kept, I kept waiting for him to get canceled or something for saying something, <laughs> something stupid written on there. I mean, but that's just where we live in. We live in a time now where NFL head coaches are getting so involved with every single decision. They're not allowing players to think that then you get players who are great 
who will buck, who want to buck that trend. And you have to be able to withstand that heat. If you're going to be head coach, you're going to coach these types of players. Cause not every coach, not every player. I mean, that'll be, I mean, as honest as an OU fan, I don't want a whole bunch of, I don't know, you know, choir boys who just do what they're told. I mean, I want some dudes who can buck the system and who's, you know, you want a boss, but you, you want a Brian Bosworth. You want these type of guys. You want someone who will show up and add a little bit of crazy to your team. I mean, that's just, it's, it's, it's the world we operate in now. It's the type of talent schools and programs need to have. Three things before we move on uh, in the pod. One, I wanted to say the worst part is about that Peyton and I'm in the space. So it's kind of a slap. It's not a slap in the face. It's a slap in the face to myself. The front offices even have too much power because like now head coaches are basically just a consultant on the field for the front office decisions and analytics. You know who you you blame for that? Baseball. Kids I want to support. No, baseball. You blame baseball. You blame all these nerds because of baseball as well. You're (laughs) ruining our sport. (laughs) Now the game wouldn't have been as ugly last night if they would just listen to the nerds, Peyton, and just stop stop running the ball on first down. Anyways, uh, the second thing, um, it's all interesting. I hate the fact that Baker and Kyler are being in the news from an OU perspective in a net kind of a negative way, because now people are always, now people are, you know, now just now asking me, Oh, was Kyler a little bit different in college guys? Yes. <laughs> he enjoyed, he literally would do nothing but practice and play video games and do some schoolwork, I guess. But yeah. that's literally all he would do is literally practice and then go kick the shit out of everybody in a video game. That's all he would do. And so that's probably what he wants to do right now. I do think it's funny, Peyton, that there is – he is still contractually obligated. Good, good, God bless these dogs. Contractually obligated to the Oakland A's. I do think that's fascinating. I, I Again, I wouldn't rule Kyler Murray just waking up one morning and just be like, you know what, Steve Kime, general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, screw you, I'm going to play baseball and just – I mean, wouldn't I wouldn't rule that possibility out, and that's nothing inside information or anything. Kyler was just wired like that, man. If he wants to wake up and go do something, he'll go do it. Now he loves football way more than baseball. Uh, finally, before we move on, you have any final thoughts on uh, the Perron Winfrey interview from from last night? I guess this morning. Um, any final thoughts on that before we move on to some of the secondary sports at Oklahoma? Um, no, nothing crazy. It's just it's just another thing. I mean, listen to it. Obviously, go listen to it. OU fans and myself included, we want we want the juicy gossip. We want the tea. We want to know. We want to know. Even the players, they hated the thing that I didn't like. Or, you know, there's this other thing I found out that I didn't like. So go for it. All the players, they're, they're motivated to, to, to trash everyone on the way out. So to a certain degree, because uh, they'll never play college again. Uh, so uh, go listen to it. Have fun. But just treat it how it is. It's, it's a disgruntled guy talking about disgruntled stuff being promoted by people who also are disgruntled. I mean, it's, it's a big circle of everyone's disgruntled. <laughs> I'm just, I'm vexed. <laughs> well, I, mean, we've, I think we've talked about it on this. You don't have to get dancing around the bush too much. I mean, yeah. So everyone's I, mad and everyone wants to be mad. So go listen to it. Go get mad again and say, ha, I knew it. And have fun. Well, you know who won't have any inside info and want that stuff out there? Mr. Uh, Nate Downs will have his privileges revoked from practice. 
Joe Castiglione will have him hung out to dry on I-40 near Weatherford. Spring game was announced essentially through his Twitter account, which is still one of the best things ever because if that would have happened under Lincoln Riley, uh, Peyton, that would have been fantastic. Oklahoma spring game. This is from a tweet. Yes, we're using a tweet. Um, for it's Oh, I had the date pulled up and everything. I want to say April 23rd at 2 p.m. One of those days. But uh, you get, you're getting a spring game. Get a chance to uh, – we we'll figure out. And, I mean, I guess I just can't do a single podcast without these dogs freaking out. No, out someone's trying to break into your house. Yeah, spring game, <laughs> uh, third week of April, um, pulling up an exact date right now. But Which that's, that's usually when it usually yeah, is. I mean, that's, that's about that same time frame. I mean, the only thing I want to know is it, will the state – will the white state be on the field? I mean, that's the only thing I want to know as an OU fan. Is the outline of Oklahoma on the field like some spring games? That's the only thing I care about for spring game at this point in time. It should it be the regular logo? Usually they do. Usually it's something and the, like that one year they had the Bob Visor with the OU. With I mean they had then sometimes they have the full outline of the state of Oklahoma out there. So the spring games when OU gets a little crazy with the with the midfield design. Uh, which is cool. Like I personally like, I mean, I, I guess maybe it is, maybe, you know, maybe I'm getting a little bit more into the five-star hearts or five heart, three-star kind of kid guy. Um, I, I just like seeing the state of Oklahoma. I think it's a cool shape. It's a cool thing. I like, I like it being on the field where it can. I think it's kind of cool. I set you up there for another very polarizing take on an either name on the back of the Jersey, uh, removing the interlocked OU from midfield. Can you imagine how many old people would be so mad about that? And I'm not a, I'm not an old person to like point out, but I am. I think there could do something else with the midfield logo and make it look pretty cool. Person. Yeah, I mean, sometimes like Notre Dame's really cool with having nothing, just having the one little be white circle. I mean, that's kind of cool. I mean, it's just kind of it, everything's kind of cool. OU it seems to me personally, as you know, as an OU fan as you are, I feel like OU's how OU presents itself is so boiled down through multiple PR and marketing firms to where it just doesn't seem fun. If that makes sense. Like OU, OU's branding and stuff very rarely feels fun to often. Like they don't really seem to embrace a lot of the weird and quirky stuff about college football and about old OU past logos and stuff like that. It's always, we have this one logo. We put this one logo on everything here we go. Here's the one logo we have. We're putting it on everything. Uh, so it would be kind of cool if they reached out and embraced some different aspects of the history and different aspects of stuff. Like maybe just the big block O that would be kind of cool, you know, go into it, have the diamonds again in the end zone. I mean, that might be kind of cool. Um, but OU just doesn't seem to delight in doing that. It, but to its credit, it has a very strong brand identity. You know exactly what's OU, you know exactly what's not OU. Uh, so maybe that's why they do it. But, you know, I'm a big I'm a big uh, home field uh, apparel fan. If you follow them on Twitter and home field, they do like the they release new schools and stuff. And they dig out these old school logos and old school designs and, you know, all this bunch of cool stuff. And I keep thinking, oh, was never going to do that. <laughs> like, I'm never going to have this really cool. Oh, shirt from like a, some 1969 nice uh, logo from a basketball that that was used one time from a student newspaper for a basketball program. I mean they just don't accept that stuff. They don't like having that stuff. And it's a bit of a shame. I believe that's a, 
that's Mike. I think Mike is the one who's draconian about that. Um, was it Hauk? Hauk. Yeah. I think he's the reason. I think he hit the brand. Uh, but Kenny Mossman's now gone. So that's at least one down the uh, steps for you that would be taking that away from you. I do think it's so funny. So Spencer Rattler in the 2020 season did one of his midweek press conferences in an old school OU logo. And I asked him, and I was like, do you even know what year OU used that in? And I got in trouble for that because he wasn't supposed to be wearing it because it's not licensed, like it's not licensed out to the public. Like, People yeah, that's like the top of the world or something. Yeah, yeah. And so I just think it's so I, I now understand why they did it so they could sell so much merchandise for the Nebraska game. Um, why they hide oh, all yeah. the old why they hide all the old logos. They like bring them up for big moments and they could sell merch directly through OU and fanatics and make a lot of money. So I get it, but I also think it is kind of weird. Like you imagine how much old OU logo and license, like from a licensing deal, OU could sell. Just like around. I mean, there's so much stuff. There's so much history that OU has. I mean, like that home field example I gave, I can't remember what school it is, but they have a shirt. That has this logo on it that they said, hey, we found this from a student newspaper in 1953 that was used before one game. <laughs> it's like, oh, you has to have that stuff, too. They just for some reason. And I think maybe it's because OU is the pro team of Oklahoma. You know, it is the NFL team to a certain degree. So it tries to present itself as much like a professional football team as possible. Uh, that it does seem to leave some of the college football aspects of stuff. Uh, to the wayside uh, to, th- that to me is a little, dis- that's just a little disappointing. Like when you go in, you know, the end game experience could be better in my opinion, just raise my hand just a little bit. Could be better in game experience. at a- Gaylor could be a little bit. I cooler. would agree. I would agree. <laughs> I'm not trying to say it's Austin level bad, but it could be cooler. I will. And, and some of that stuff you have to be okay with. Like I remember the best game I've ever been to was the 2017 Baylor. I'm sorry. 2017 Bedlam game in Stillwater. I didn't know they did all this stuff. I thought college, I thought college football games were you sit down and you watch a football game, like a like you're going to a Tool concert. You just sit down and you listen to guys play music. You don't do anything else but sit and listen. And they've got hand signals for second down plays, and they've got a, you know, an MC screaming, telling them what the next chant is and stuff. And I was like, it was, it was like that, uh, the, uh, the Patrick, the Patrick meme where everything's like swirling around my head. It's like, what? <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. And then plus you can enter and leave. Oh, you need to bring that back. I understand maybe it's like security risk. You can't go back outside, get drunk and come back in, but what the fuck ever. I mean, let <laughs> us go get drunk. Water <laughs> because they now sell alcohol in the stadium. You can no longer go out. You can't do that anymore. Oh, it was wild. It was that's wild the only that. that's like one of the best rules that they had up in Stillwater. Then they started selling alcohol in the stadium and took it away. And I started get it. Making money. They started making more money. Capitalism, <laughs> baby. That's all it is. Yeah. It's one. Uh Oklahoma Hoops gonna have a new arena. Maybe the state of Oklahoma gonna have a new arena. Cleveland County getting behind the University North Park Expeditor is the best way I'm gonna put. Uh, what all that's going to be. So I'm going to try to do this the best that I can from this report from Mindy Reagan Wood from the Norman transcript. It's a great report, super detailed. They got some documents and uh, got some of the people involved in those documents on record talking about it. So obviously tax incentives is the main reason why that this is back up and part of the conversation. Something went through um, in either 2017 or 2019 
that if, you know, you get 10 year sales tax incentives, all sorts of deep business and political conversation regarding this new arena, Peyton. But the difference between this time and last time is that the city of Norman and its people through set through and raising taxes, mm-hmm. we're going to have to pay for the entire arena, all the development around the arena, the restaurants, the hotels, all the, the fun stuff, all the excess uh, extracurricular activities around the arena, the city of Norman and its people are going to pay for it by just reading this. And again, consider me very ignorant in this realm of the world. It sounds like this Cleveland County, the university of Oklahoma and other private sectors of Norman could pony up the money and get this thing done. I don't know. It looks like, sounds like it's in the early stages, but my God, they got to find the new basketball arena. I know Porter Moser was, yes, I'm going to go fill the LNC. Obviously, the Texas Tech game had more Texas Tech fans last week. But they need something new. And I and I do think – I know you've been to Norman. I know you're not a frequent Norman visitor, Peyton. That North Park area is pretty that – North, that university North Park area that they have on the north part of town, uh, it's pretty cool. Like – that's a that's a really cool development with a lot of new restaurants. Uh, there's a lot of business that would be brought to that part of town. So hopefully uh, OU will rubber stamp this and then wait for that first SEC check to hit and help them out. That's what I would imagine the plan is, right? Yeah, I mean, potentially. I mean, OU needs to upgrade a lot of stuff. This would be really cool to have, obviously, the multi stuff. Um, in Norman, I, know, I mean, Norman is like, you know, like a, a liberal – conclave in, in the state of Oklahoma, but they I mean, they, they bucked up and, and, and made some conservative choices during that vote. I mean, like, Hey, don't tax me anymore. Dog that ain't happening. <laughs> you know, and, and good for them. I mean, I, I honestly believe these types of structures um, do are usually oversold by the amount of economic growth and economic prosperity it brings to areas. I, but that's what my belief is. I think there's some studies out there that do prove that, that like, money doesn't quite leave that area the way we think it does. Like it's going to ripple and ripple and ripple. Uh, so I think things should be done. I believe how like the Dallas Cowboys statements built. If you're a rich person, you want it built. Don't come asking me for tax money. Use your rich people money <laughs> and, and, and have it paid for. Cause you're, cause they're the ones who are going to get the money from the revenue and everything from it. So like, I understand like, Taxpayers will be using it and can go to it and it can multi-sport. So hopefully that's the one thing like I hope that does kind of struggle me for that struggles my my mental capacity for thinking about this. My brain's shut down. So I was thinking about it. Yeah, if it's mainly private sector stuff and, and it's mainly like a small selection of people, you could end up losing the multi-purpose side of it. Uh if the state or if the city or the county were more involved, because then they have more stake and they could host high school championships there. They, you know, you could, they have a little more skin in the game. Um, they said it's said the report says the current like findings is it would be used for 112 nights of the year. Yeah. You got to hope that makes a lot of money when it does it. And I think that some of the credit, the credits are going for is like some tourism stuff to, to where 25% of the people over the year have to be coming from out of state, which that would happen. I mean, OU 
I mean, the tra- the fan bases would travel in, especially moving to SEC, stuff like that, especially pretty early. But I think you're right. I think this is basically maybe there's some OU people, maybe turn up seats, got somebody on the phone saying, hey, just get this started. The money's going to be there. <laughs> just get it started. <laughs> Did you just see how much they – I mean, this comes out like three days after they find out every single SEC school got $55 million just for, just for showing up. Like Vanderbilt, here you go, it's 55 bucks, showing up. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was all fun and dandy, hypoth- hypothesizing Arkansas leaving the SEC so they could be more competitive, and then yeah. you just see these numbers, and it's like, no, no way, no way. No way that's the fan- I'm sure the fans would love it. I know the fans, especially Arkansas fans, are like, no, SEC, SEC. But if they're in the Big 12 and they're winning it and then going, let's say hypothetical, let's say hypothetically they went to the – they moved to the Big 12, they won the Big 12, every third year. And then they also went to the playoffs. They would probably like that more than what finishing fifth, sixth in the conference every single year, but you're in the sec and it's cool. So who knows? Oh, no, for sure. Uh, speaking of sec hoops, Oklahoma basketball goes one and one last week. Mm-hmm. Men's team does. I believe women's team went one and one as well. Women's team, more of a sure thing for the NCAA tournament. And for some reason, Peyton, this men's team is just like dragging you back. They're just dragging us along with them the rest of the way. Like they are so hard to watch at times. So hard to watch. They were, they they played pretty good up in Lawrence. Um, got nothing out of Emoja Gibson after him dropping 30 against Texas Tech last week. Got zero. Good old goose egg. Um, but Jordan Goldwire takes over in the final they're down like i think they were down eight points and like a minute and a half left and they get it where they need essentially a step back jumper to send that thing to overtime big week they got texas at home tomorrow night that's a very winnable game mm-hmm. they win that game they split again this week they basically sp- split i believe i was looking at it right they split the rest of the way they go one-on-one every week they probably make the ncaa tournament um and if they make the if they if they make the tournament the men's team does this year, and I know there's a lot of promise early on in the season, Peyton, but if they make the tournament, considering the talent they have right now, I know you haven't watched a ton of them, and then specifically what they have coming in, mm-hmm. I don't I, I don't know if you heard much about this kid from Germany, but he's supposedly a freaking dude. Um, I haven't heard, heard anything about back college basketball recruiting. I mean, I'm not that much of a psycho, but – I do think the the goal for this team was make the tournament, you know, as like a 12 seed or something. I think that was probably the realistic goal, but then they won a bunch of games really early and people started shifting the goal, but now it's kind of moving back to that original goal and it feels like a disappointment, you know? And I think that's, I think that's the only issue with this version with, I mean, I've, I've listened to Matt talk about it. That this version of this team with the amount of transfers they've got and the, and the walk, you know, the talent that they, that they have um, for this year. Now it looks brighter for next year and the year after, but for this year, I, th- I don't think expectations were all that high and they just exceeded those early. And now we're kind of in this, in this weird little middle space of like, well, I thought you were good. You're beating good teams early, but now you're kind of fading. And that's just, I think it's just, you have to see the full test before you give out the full grade, obviously. Um, yeah. But it is cool to see him beat Texas Tech. And the, the moment, uh, the, the, the ending half sequence, 
uh, it kind of made me think, oh, I don't have to watch this. Kansas is going to win. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what was it like up eight? And then like two seconds later, they're up three uh, yeah. just for like stupid shit because Kansas is a professional team <laughs> to a certain degree. Oh, uh, he's not. So you made a bunch of dumb decisions down the stretch and there you go. Game's over. Uh, but they fought back. They just couldn't pull it off. Um, but I mean, it's Kansas. What are you going to do? I mean, it's just yeah. Kansas. They've got one more year, man. They don't win it next year. I will go my entire lifetime in Oklahoma will not have beaten Kansas in Lawrence. Everybody, my brother was born in 92. We're almost exactly four years apart. 92, 93 babies that were born that year. Congrats. You will be one of the only last people um, in this state to see OU win. And you don't even remember that happening. Um, it's crazy. Hopefully uh, they can pull it off next year. Benjamin Schroeder is the name I was mentioning playing professional ball over in oh, Germany. Okay. Uh, he's like in one of those academies. He's supposedly, he's supposedly really, really good. I'm excited to see what he can do. The other one, the most, the best team on Oklahoma's campus kicks off last week in Payton. And my God, you get a leadoff home run to start the season. Uh, Tiara Jennings, I believe has hit three, either three or four already in the first five games. They've outscored their opponents 40 to one in their first five games, including a three to one win over number three UCLA or four, one, three or four, one, I believe it was one of those two, but uh, they go five and L they look freaking on. They look unstoppable. And this freshman they have pitching ball is she is jacked up, man. She, that ball, the I don't use this word very often in terms of like softball pitchers, but like the ball explodes out of her hand, so it it gets it just gets on you a lot quicker than I, I would imagine, and looks like it looks like it should is the best way to explain that. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna the wag my finger, but it does seem like you're right. Um, OU softball probably the best the best program on campus right now. Uh, women's gymnastics is ranked third. Uh, I was I was gonna say, hey, now don't don't. We're also a flippy school. It's certainly uh, not the wrestling team. I can tell you that. No, they're no. That sucks. And they, they did you see the video just recently on Twitter where this OU dude like guillotined this Oklahoma State guy? It was totally a legal move. <laughs> and uh, I think it was one of the baseball players or one of the, one of the called football players were like, I want to come find me type of thing. Uh, oh, being wow. very very upset at this OU wrestler. Um, and he just guillotined him straight up, just guillotined. Him. <laughs> I don't know what the and I don't know what why he wasn't disqualified. But uh, anyway, yeah, I mean this this is stuff. I mean, I think you said this pre, uh, point differential for OU softball is forty to one, um, and, and they're not doing it against trash teams. They're not, you know. I mean, if you have a football brain, you're thinking, oh, it's just the preseason. They're playing against Southwestern Oklahoma State, you know, uh, satellite campus. Like, no, they're they're playing against the number three team in the nation, and they're blanking them basically. Uh, they're doing stuff with that's a wild. freshman pitching with a freshman and OU's done this before. I mean, if you're that, that's the cool thing about OU softball. It, it, uh, it might just be a softball thing in general. I, I'm new. It's a new fandom to me. If you're good, they roll you out there and then you go be good. <laughs> that, that's all they do. They don't, there is no, there's not a lot of anything worried about that at all. It's like, Oh, you're, Oh, you're that guy. Or you're that last girl? year. Last go year was that different. Girl. When they played three freshmen in their lineup, Air four, and that was a little different. Um, they're typically not this young. I mean, they've got 
like five girls right now, Peyton, if you want to include ball, like they'll be at OU for the next three years. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like they'll be They're super humans, man. It's, it's great. I mean, and it's the same coach. They pulled them through, went through the valleys and the ups and downs of everything. And you look at it, they won early. Then there's a big gap where they didn't win. And now they're winning again. I mean, it's cool. I mean, it, it's cool to watch it. And honestly, watching it, uh, which does seem to be impossible to watch, actually, uh, to be honest with you. Because um, I don't know if I want to set an account for like flowsoftball.org or whatever it is. But when, yeah. I, when I can watch them on ESPN3, I sit there and I think, man, this, they've got this figured out. Manford needs to figure needs to do this. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I can I can get out of here in five innings. Let's go. <laughs> this isn't this is a 90 minute game that's entertaining. Let's get, get out of here. Start, don't even get me started. Like start them on second. Start them on start them at home. <laughs> Let's get these innings going. <laughs> it's this week. I mean, today pitch, pitchers and catchers should have reported to spring training today. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to take the conversation away from the softball team. They're too. They're too good. They're actually worth talking about. Rob Manfred is not worth my time. He's not worth anybody's time. Um, he is one of the few people you'll ever hear me say this, Peyton. If something like bad happened to him, like I wouldn't be mad about it at all. He's. Uh, that's one of those few conversations. But yeah, they. I was looking. At, I was looking at the softball schedule. I don't know how much competition they have here for a little bit. But uh, it'll be good for them. The Big 12 is actually pretty good this year, and it continues to get better as a softball conference. Um, even I, like a team like Iowa State's pretty good nowadays. Mm-hmm. Texas obviously got the head coach from Oregon. They've been pretty good because they got all those transfers. And then Oklahoma State. Like, I think it's pretty cool that this, like, the state of Oklahoma is kind of king for softball now. From, like, all the way from the – you know, college level, high school level, down um, to all the way, all the wide ranges softball's played. It's becoming kind of like the thing here, and I like it. I, I think it's cool. It's a unique sport. It's a different app. It's a different atmosphere than a baseball atmosphere. A lot less aggressive. Probably not as much Cracker Jacks and Bud Light and Budweiser being spread around in the crowd, but um, it's it's fast pace. It keeps people entertained. Uh, and they're freaking good. Like I, this is coming from someone like having to hit. I've obviously been in that conversation in junior college Payton of, Oh yeah, we could all go hit softball. Like we could all go hit off a softball pitcher, like pitchers going up, like hitting pitches going down. So saying a baseball arm overhead, um, it's difficult, very, very hard, but hitting pitches going up is either equally or more difficult. Like it's just a different, feeling man and th- i mean it's so fast like 70 miles an hour from 48 feet is freaking cooking it yeah it's on top of you quick yeah because baseball is obviously 60 feet six inches and so it's uh yeah it's tough it's credit to them they're really good tiara jennings is on she's a freak show jd coleman's a freak show jocelyn allen's a fr- jocelyn Allo's a freak show mm-hmm. and then this ball chick just tops all of them like she's a monster there yeah. she's gonna she's gonna win so many games in an Oklahoma uniform it's stupid so anyways got the beanie off don't know don't think we got anything else to get into tonight a little bit of a slow news week haven't uh said yet if you haven't made it to this far in the podcast please go leave a review apple spotify you can do it on both leave a nice little comment if you can we'd greatly appreciate it and then subscribe to the podcast so you get immediately to your feed also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash through the keyhole. 
all sorts of fun stuff the rest of this month um, and um, the rest of the offseason. So come and join us. We'd love to have you. Peyton, you got anything else? Uh, Boomer. Boomer.